From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios, high atop Turtle Creek Village, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. It's your host, Ryan Trimble, sitting here enjoying a beautiful day in Dallas, looking right at, I think it's the biggest Rangers fan I currently know. He, of course, Sean P. Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day, Ryan Trimble. It is a big day. It is a huge day. It is a World Series day at the time of recording. It is amazing. Now, are you? I'm sure you've got your your hoodie at the dry cleaner for ready for tonight. You've got your jersey, your Garcia jersey. I mean, you have been rocking the gear all year. It is amazing. Thank my you. For- hood, my hoodie is at the dry cleaner. <laughs> so, so since the weather Excellent. calls for a, a, a chill front, I probably should go pick up the hoodie. Yes. You know, we have we talked about what we're going to do tonight for the game, and I think we will most likely prepare ballpark food mm. and watch the game here at home, which I couldn't watch, as you know, game six and seven live of – the ALCS, but I'm committed to sitting down at seven o'clock, hopefully even listening to her sing the national anthem. Her will be singing the national anthem tonight. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. It's I'm so fired up, Sean. You know, I had, um, I was an enormous, enormous Rangers fan. So is Mrs. Trimble, by the way. She is a Juan Gonzalez diehard. She is. For for those who, who don't know, isn't there a, a Texas Rangers tie-in to the Mr. and Mrs. Trimble story? There is. Thank you for reminding me, Sean. Yes, there is. Um, we got engaged on the warning track uh, <laughs> at the ballpark in Arlington. Classic, classic moment. Uh, and it's been a, you know, it's been a lot of fun ever since. But um you know, I've taken a kind of a little hiatus there from my Ranger fandom. Obviously, you know, kids. Maybe and- like an a, a, like a 11, 12-year hiatus. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, every time somebody would bring up game six, I would, you know, too soon would come out of my mouth. So, but I'll tell you what, Sean, this it feels good. The Rangers beating the Astros in seven in amazing, amazing fashion. You know, I feel like the demons are in the process of being exercised. I think that being able to, you know, lose game five the way they lost game five, and because they did kind of lose their cool a bit, and, you know, there's a blown save involved and all of that, but to be able to then come back and just smash the um, the team in Houston um, – it, it was, you know, it, it was a lot of resilience that the team has showed all year. I mean, again, I have been following them all year and a team that had an eight game losing streak, a team that lost the division on the last day of the season to come back and then, you know, come out, out of the gates and win, you know, seven playoff games in a row, lose three in a row. And I did tell you that they're streaky and that there will probably be a streak involved. <laughs> yes. And the seven game win streak was promptly followed by a three three game losing streak. And so uh but but they did it. You know, I, I think about 
going all the way to the days of Arlington Stadium, formerly Turnpike Stadium, and just a big old bowl of hot metal seats that I remember when the renderings came out in the Dallas Morning News about the ballpark in Arlington and thinking that was the worst name ever and then falling in love with that name and that stadium. And then looking at the barn or the grill or whatever we want to call Globe Life out there and thinking that that, that was not the, and going out and thinking, mm, this is a pretty good, pretty, pretty, nice. pretty good stadium, pretty good. Because right. was that your first time? Because you went to a ALCS game. Yeah, we went game. to the ALCS game for We were bad luck. Clearly, we were terrible, terrible. <laughs> but we had a blast. Bobby Bray also had a blast um, that night. Really yes. dangerous. But, man, yeah, I remember old Arlington Stadium, too. I remember my dad brought me out from Albuquerque in the summer of 93, August 4th, 3rd and 4th of 93, when we saw the Brewers. Charlie Huff was out back smoking oh, a pack of cigarettes. Charlie was, Huff, the, the knuckleballer. The knuckleballer. 40-plus-year-old 40 knuckleballer. I saw S- Steve Bouchel was in the hot co- on the hot corner for the Rangers. I mean, the Pete Incavilia days. I mean, Ruben Sierra. I mean, those Ruben were the C- days. Oh, man, I love Ruben Sierra. He had that back stance where the bat was like over his head, pointing right at the Julio the Franco. Pitcher. Yeah, Julio the, Franco. Yeah, the chain. Great. What a team! I got like, I got one for you. I, I know we've we've got to talk about our next guest, but I do have one one more thing for you before we go. Okay. Knock knock. Who's there? Astronaut. Astronaut who? Astronaut in the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> I even saw it coming. And I still <laughs> did. You see it coming? I loved Telegraphed. it. I loved it. All right. Well, what what we got today, right. man? Man, I'm excited about this one. You know, we got the chance to sit down with Mark Lamster, the architecture critic. Loeb Fellow at Harvard. Um, this guy is great. I'm super excited about this interview um, with Mark today, Sean. I think when we teased this in our last episode, I mentioned how I've always felt myself an amateur architect, an amateur architect critic. So to have a real life one um, here with us is exciting. You know, I want to hear his thoughts for sure on the Dallas Museum of Art, which is a client of ours. And so, you know, I'm really excited to to hear from Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Sean. And um, really appreciate him coming on. Um, he's got some great, great uh, information to share with us, uh, you know, about local architecture. And so let's jump in to our interview with Mark right after this. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, very excited today uh, to welcome our esteemed guest. Uh, been looking forward to this one for some time now. 
He, of course, Mark Lamster, the architecture critic for the Dallas Morning News and Loeb Fellow at the Harvard Graduate School of Design. Mark, thanks for squeezing us in today. How are you? I'm doing doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Now, um, you know, we have gotten to know you and followed your work in the morning news. But for those of our listeners who may not be as familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Well, I'm a native New Yorker. been living now in Dallas for the last 11 years. Uh, I like to say that I studied writing as an undergraduate and architectural history in graduate school. So the only thing in life I'm actually uh, qualified to do is write about architecture. So thankfully, uh, I've got that job as architecture critic of the morning news, and it's a great deal of fun. You know, I've um, I have two pastimes. I, I like to fancy myself both a meteorologist and architecture critic myself. But for a real architecture critic like yourself, I know uh, you've got a class at Harvard title how to be a critic. And so I'm just wondering how you became an architecture critic. I know you, you said what your skills are, but how did you really get into it? Well, after my graduate school career, I actually decided to go into publishing uh, and I was a book editor uh for more than a decade at a publishing house called princeton architectural press so i was actually editing uh books on architecture and design and and so i eventually i was writing that whole time in addition to editing books and working with architects and working with designers which i loved and still do uh but decided to you know, wanted to write myself and switch to the other side of the desk. And that's sort of, you know, gradually how it happened. Yeah, that's that's great. Now, you said you'd been here about 11, you know, a little over 11 years now, Mark. Um, and we have buildings going up every day, it seems like, around town. For one, what's your favorite? And how do you decide what you like and what you've seen around town? Or what are some of your favorites around town? I hate to pick out favorites because... Uh, you know, buildings are like your children, uh, right? And uh, so uh, there are different kinds and uh, ones you love for all different reasons. I, I will say, though, that I have been working on this project that will become a book published by Deep Vellum, our wonderful local independent publisher. And that book is going to be uh, about really buildings that have shaped Dallas. So I'm calling it, I'm calling the book like a critical history of Dallas in 10 buildings. Um, so that's going over some of the buildings that I think are, are most important uh, in the city's history. It begins with Millermore. Uh, it's a, one of the sort of the first mansion built in Dallas uh, uh, before uh, the Civil War in the 19th century. Uh, and then moving up, looking at uh, you know, Adolphus Hotel, City Hall, North Park Center, uh, et, uh, et cetera. So uh, I've been really enjoying working on that series. How about Dallas Hall? Don't don't yeah. answer that. Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your interest in Dealey Plaza. You've been an advocate for making Dealey Plaza safer, uh, more pedestrian friendly, uh, and more than just, you know, part of the the sixth floor museum extension and so uh, can you talk a little bit about your feelings about that space sure well i started thinking about city uh excuse me dealey uh right when i arrived in dallas it was about that time that it was the 50th anniversary of the assassination and so 
uh, the city was thinking about that space again, kind of. But it's always a, been a space that I think the city's been reluctant about. I mean, at, on one hand, it's the sort of uh, this deeply shameful moment in the city's history. Uh, and on the other, I think there's a sense of, uh, from many that it's uh, the city is unfairly maligned by the act of a lone gunman. And I don't want to get into conspiracy theories. Uh, it doesn't really matter. So I think there's always been a reluctance to deal with that space. So it's been uh, obviously left alone. It's incredibly dangerous uh, to drive uh, through it. It's one of the most, the intersection of Elm and Houston is one of the most dangerous in the city. Uh, we have tourists uh, walking out into this high-speed corridor where these tawdry X's, which are not painted by any official organizational or body, uh, are sort of uh, crudely painted where uh, the bullets uh, impacted uh, President Kennedy. So, and then understanding that, so that this space is, and there's of course no accommodation for really uh, cyclists, pedestrians, especially to make it to Martyrs Park, which is in a, another incredibly important historic space in the city. So most people don't know it. It's mart the martyrs are not the martyrs are not uh, is not Kennedy. It is uh, victims of uh, lynching. Uh, in Dallas, and specifically three African Americans who were lynched uh, pretty much at that space um, in the years before the Civil War. They were accused of inciting a slave rebellion, which may or may not have been true. Um, but in any case, this is an incredibly important space in the city, and it's completely inaccessible. Um, there's only one very dank uh, sidewalk uh, that can get you through there under the triple underpass. No one goes there. It's basically a homeless encampment. Um, and the city uh, is installing a new uh, memorial there, which is actually lovely, a lovely work. Um, so I started thinking about, you know, how do we create better access to that space? Also knowing that uh, a Holocaust museum is is a block away from Dealey Plaza. Uh, there's the actual JFK Memorial. There's the Justice Center on the other side of uh, of the triple underpass. So there's really an opportunity to come to to make a place here uh, that both respects you know the national historic nature of Dealey Plaza but also creates new links to what will be the Trinity Park. Uh, this is, of course, the main, you know, access uh, from downtown to what will be this, you know, beautiful $250 million, $350 million park. Um, and we could really create a space that hasn't, doesn't, hasn't existed there, a place for gathering uh, and, and thinking. Uh, and we can do it by using some vacant parking lot space behind Dealey Plaza. And that sort of inspired um, this project that we came up with uh, in association with uh, Stas Landscape uh, Architects from Boston and Monica Ponce de Leon, who's the Dean of the Architecture School at Princeton. And I realize I've now been rambling for quite some time about this project. No, no, no. I, I love the passion. And I, I you know, I, my wife has worked down there both at the, you know, sixth floor, the book depository building and at the records building. And so I've seen the tourists, you know, run out when the red light and get the picture by the X's. And so 
it, it just doesn't make sense for that space that is supposed to be sacred to us. Agree. It's 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 shocking uh, in a way. And when, when visitors come here, I think they're shocked at at, at the at what's happening there. And it's just only a matter of time before uh, many people are killed or plowed into it in that space. And the Houston corner is uh, already extremely dangerous. I mean, I, I, we have friends who were severely injured in an accident at that corner. Uh, it's a, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I, I think this gets to the broader question of, you know, Sean and I both heard the word preservation and preservationists and I don't know if you consider yourself uh, a preservationist or not, but, you know, I, I think the preserving and creating space, like you say, is is very important. So what, what do you think about preservation? Well, I definitely consider myself a preservationist. Uh, preservation has become sort of a very uh, divisive uh, term Uh lately and and kind of for good reason because uh quite often preservation has been used to block uh housing and you know supportive housing and all kinds of um positive developments that would enhance social equity uh and uh stop you know and freeze a, a city in amber so uh definitely think my feeling is that you know we kind of have our cake and eat it too that um we do need to preserve um the the important spaces and places uh in the city and if we don't we'll have a a place that no one wants to be in um and of course dallas has a very very poor record uh of of uh retaining its historic building so i feel very strongly that uh that's something uh we need to to improve upon and I mean, just uh, last week we saw the demolition of exchange park one of the most significant uh modernist office parks really in the country uh in the medical district here and it's just uh torn down on a sunday during the football game it's when a lot of um demolitions happen here um it's, you know, for obvious reasons um but uh, it's a very sad loss for uh uh, historic architecture in, in the city. This is Deacon Drudge, Struggling Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Our guest is Mark Lamster, architecture critic for Dallas More News and Lowe Fellow at the Harvard Graduate School of Design. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the Dallas Museum of Art and some changes that are going on there. So hang with us through the break. We'll be right back right after this. Hey everyone, it's your pal Ryan here, and boy do I have exciting news for you. For three consecutive weekends, starting October 19th, the Bishop Arts Theatre Center will kick off its 30th anniversary season with the world premiere of Frankie D. Gonzalez's new play, The Tragedy of Othello. Now, this isn't the same Othello you remember from your high school English class. This is a new and exciting update on the classic story. It centers on Imani Othello, who encounters racism, sexism, and ageism after being named the first black woman head coach of a football team. 
the incredible Denise Lee will be bringing the heat in the role of Othello. The Tragedy of Othello begins October 19th and runs through November 5th, 2023 for three consecutive weekends at the Bishop Arts Theater Center located at 215 South Tyler Street in Dallas. Tickets can be purchased at www.bishopartstheater.org or by calling the box office at 214-948-0716, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Ticket prices range from $18 to $35 and CSER general admission. Discounts are available for seniors, students, and groups of 15 or more. The Tragedy of Othello is presented by the Dallas Foundation. Be sure to get your tickets today. Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Our guest is Mark Lamster, architecture critic at the Dallas Morning News. Also Lowe Fellow at the Harvard Graduate School of Design. Uh, Mark, I wanted to ask you about your um, piece that you wrote for the Morning News about the renovation of Dallas Museum of Art. And um, you seem to be um, think that, that it was a good choice uh, the not widely known Spanish architecture firm Nito and Sibiano, uh, that was chosen. So um, I wanted, you know, just to get your thoughts on kind of how that process went and, and what what you thought was good about the direction it went. Well, I think one of the dangers in Dallas and the history in, in, um, in the arts district is selecting big name architects to come in and uh, plop down and do some big fancy building. So the fact that uh, I think they the, they chose um, this very, very thoughtful uh, Spanish architectural team with a lot of uh, history in Europe, uh, building a beautiful, beautiful uh, museum projects, uh, was, but with no track record in the United States, although they were trained uh, in America. Um, I thought that was really, really positive. We don't have enough architects like this practicing here, uh, real uh, academic and intellectual um, designers. And I think what they're going to bring is going to be something new and really uh, important for Dallas. I thought their plan is very, very smart and elegant, uh, very beautiful. I like the way it doesn't just throw away the building that we have, but it really maintains uh, its core in many ways and is very respectful of it while uh, looking towards something new. Uh, so uh, I think that development was was really important. But I think, you know, this is a, where the money is going to come from is a big question. And, you know, the museum has talked a great game about, you know, wanting to, exp you know, engage with its the community more with uh, ideas of equity and uh, environmental sustainability. Uh, but we'll see, you know, the concern on these projects is that what drives them is 
the Dallas patron class, uh, collectors who have, you know, want to find spaces uh, for their art uh, that will have their names on them. Uh, obviously, there are some serious tax uh, benefits to doing that. So, you know, I think, you know, the citizens of Dallas need to make sure that this museum project, which will, is going to cost the city a great deal, um, and it's our building, right? The Dallas Museum of Art is owned by the city. So I think there's it's incumbent upon the city and its citizens to make sure that this is a project for uh, for the people of Dallas and not just uh, for the patron class uh, who are going to be critical in um, making it happen. Yeah, I mean, the museum is, you know, one of the anchors, if not the anchor of the arts district and has been for the past 20 years. So do you see this selection of this firm as, you know, a, a new, you know, the, the next chapter, introducing the next chapter into the arts district or what kind of impact will this have? I, I think it's definitely going to have, it is the next chapter. Uh, you know, it's been there for longer than that. It's actually more like 40 years. Right. Uh, exactly. Um, or take it for granted in a way. Um, and it is a new opportunity for the arts district, right? The, the district has never really worked well. It's still, you know, trying to become a, a pedestrian place, right? It's still not a lot of people out there on the streets because we're so automotively driven. And uh, as it is now, the museum is a little bit of a fortress. Um, uh, it doesn't really have any kind of opening onto Clyde Warren Park. Uh, it's unto itself. So I think what's exciting about this proposal is that it would really open the museum up, uh, both to the park on one side and then to Ross Avenue, which is developing on the other, uh, and hopefully uh, will be a spur to um, the rest of that, you know, the district to like become yeah. uh, more open. But it's not going to do it by itself. It's going to need uh, other institutions to do that as well. The Nasher can certainly punch a hole in its walls, uh, you know, especially facing Clyde Warren Park, where there's a, a decommissioned uh, James Terrell. There's no reason that can't be taken out and turned into an entry. Um, and then the city, the city needs traffic calming on Pearl and Olive, which are high speed, you know, uh, corridors that cross through the arts district uh, and make it almost impossible to cross the streets there safely. Um, and those streets need to be rethunked to become more uh, shady. There needs to be more action on the streets. So there's a lot of work to be done uh, in the arts district, but this, I think, um, the new plan for the DMA is a, a step in the right direction and, and a really heartening. We're visiting with Mark Lamster, architecture critic at the Dallas Morning News. Um, Mark, I wanted to get your thoughts on the idea of flattening uh, and the, the thought on flattening as, a, um, as an American design shift. Yeah, I read a story about this when I realized it sort of struck me that every car now looks exactly the same we all drive basically the same suv uh it's white it's silver or it's black um the overwhelming number of cars uh in the country are are, uh, are that way are you know monochrome 
uh, SUVs. So like the question started percolating, you know, like what, what happened, what happened in our culture that, you know, we, we celebrate uh, American individuality, but in, in the end, I think we're, we're more conformist. We all sort of uh, want to drive this, what our neighbor does. Uh, and I think in, in housing, I think it's especially uh, a little disturbing uh, that sort of these beige uh, blocks, uh, um, five over ones or four over ones that we call them have sort of taken to dominate uh, our urban landscape and our more single family neighborhoods. It's a, sort of this neo-traditional uh, whitewashed uh, look that's neither modern nor traditional, sort of somewhere in between. So I don't know, I think it seems like we're at a place in the cult in our in our history where we're trying to figure out what is next. I mean, historically, it's been, we look at the 20th century and there are these massive, massive changes uh, that propelled uh, developments in all forms of culture. And I think we're trying to discover uh, now we're at a moment of change and uh, things at the moment are all the same. I mean, I think if you go back and look at fashion from the 90s, it's it's very similar to now. You might not even notice the difference. So like, um, whereas if you look back in the 90s, that, that same, you know, 20 years, you would be uh, seeing people in bell bottoms and uh, et cetera. So there's a little bit of an 80s throwback now, but it's it's the changes are not nearly as dramatic as they once 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 were. So I don't really have any full answers for why this is. I have uh, you know theories, uh, but I think it's interesting to watch. And I think part of the problem is that Dallas is very conformist. It's a very conventional place, very corporate. I like to say that Dallas is the world's capital of upper middle management. Uh, and if you drive up and down the tollway, you'll see, you know, all these sort of headquarters there. And I think that that um, that inspires a lot of conservative thinking, conformist thinking. And I think Dallas, uh, that's always characterized conservative Dallas. And uh, I think we need more excitement and more, more, more funky. So, so if you had to point Dallas in the direction of any city worldwide that, you know, kind of gets it right with the blend of you know, the architecture, green space, public transportation, pedestrian friendly. Where are the top one or two cities you'd point them? Um, I kind of hate doing that because it's a great question. It's a fair question. But um, I think Dallas has a habit of going out and looking at other cities and trying to bring back the things from other places as if we can cherry pick uh, the best from uh, elsewhere and install them here. So for example, Clyde Warren Park is sort of a miss, a mish, it's wonderful, but it's also a mishmash taken from different places. So it's got this reading areas that are drawn from Bryant Park in New York. It's got this uh, stage that's driven by Millennium Park uh, in Chicago. It's got, you know, St. Louis has one big arch. So heck, you know, we're going to have a hundred little arches, um, uh, St. Louis arches. So I think the real answer for Dallas is to figure out what Dallas is and what Dallas needs to be for itself and not necessarily be modeling itself uh, on other places. Well, this has been great, Mark. We're so uh, glad you were able to take some time out and chat with us today. If our 
listeners want to read more, learn more, uh, what's the best way for them to connect with your work? Uh, well, first, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about the city and architecture. So any anyone who wants to do that, I'm, I'm always excited to do that. Uh, you can find me in the Dallas Morning News. Uh, you can find me on social media, uh, whichever one you choose. I'm at Mark Lamster, uh, Instagram, you name it. Um, uh, book, recent book, uh, was my most recent book was, uh, a biography of the architect Philip Johnson, who has a lot of work in Dallas, not a lot of good work in Dallas, but a lot of work in Dallas and very interesting life. Um, so, uh, that's where I'll be and look forward to meeting you there. That's great, Mark. Well, we certainly appreciate the time and really enjoyed it today. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for all of your questions. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity. This is Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Ryan, that was a really, really informative interview with Mark Lamster. Really good to get his thoughts on the city and um, really good to hear his thoughts on the Dallas Museum of Art. Yeah, really enjoyed that conversation with Mark. Uh, Appreciate him coming on, dropping some knowledge. So, Mark, big thanks again. And thanks to our colleague, Molly Fiden, as well, for helping set that interview up. So, Ryan, I know before we go, last night our phones were blowing up on the team text chat, and it was because there was some award-winning activity going on that involved Allen Media. That's right, Sean. We had a great night as a firm uh, at the PRSA Pegasus Awards. That's the Public Relations Society of America Um we are proud members of that organization, um, a bunch of, you know, PR professionals. And we did pretty well in these awards. Sean, we we submitted. Always good to be recognized by your peers, right? Always good to be recognized by your peers, your competition, your uh, <laughs> friends, your frenemies, you know, everybody who's at the at the awards last night. So here's the rundown, Sean. Are you ready? We I'm had. Ready. We had two finalists. Our work for Universal, uh, the big announcement about the Universal uh, theme park coming to Frisco uh, was a finalist in that category. Uh, the the Our work for Trust Public Land, Big Cedar Wilderness, uh, the work with uh, the morning news piece with Sharon Grigsby and uh, Robert Kent's profile in D Magazine. Uh, and just the work to, pres- you know, to share the news that we preserved, you know, nearly 300 acres of pristine wilderness. That was also a finalist. Um, our colleague, Monica Cordova, big night for her, her work um, telling the story in the New York Times of the McCurtain County Gazette. She got an award of honor, Sean. That's a big one. And then our work, our crisis comms work, shout out to Jennifer Pascal for her work at the Dallas Zoo brought home the flying horse, the golden Pegasus award. So look forward to seeing that up on the shelf. You know, 
we got a lot of awards, Sean. You know, it's hard to see Carol sometimes through all our awards that are up on the shelf. A lot of awards, award-winning firm and an award-winning team. I mean, really, you know, first congratulations to you and the work that you've done with Big Cedar and, and the recognition there. But congratulations to our entire team. I mean, even with Universal, which was a finalist that literally was every single member of our team yep. working on that. And, you know, everybody's working hard every day. And it's, it's cool to be recognized. There are a lot of awards that we get. Um, obviously, this is an award-winning podcast. I can't fail to mention that. But, um, you know, this is something that, you know, again, when you're recognized by your peers, people who are in the same business, you know, it makes it that much special. So shout out to our entire team, our PR team, our public affairs team, our creative team. Everybody um, is, has a part to play in this and it's super exciting. And congrats to our owners. Mary Willief and Jennifer Pascal. Yeah, congrats all around, everybody. Um, really exciting stuff. Let's let's do some more. Make 2024 Pegasus Awards. Let's go for the clean sweep, Sean. What do you say? Yeah, you know me. I love my goals. And so I think, you know, we need to have some goals related just to that. And so, yeah. you know, when we have our, man, you know, this year is almost done and it'll be time to do our 2024 planning meeting here pretty soon. So, let me make a note. Let me write that down here in the full focus planner. 2024 Pegasus Awards. Okay, write like it. it down. I'm like ready. It. Well, in in plan, looking ahead, not quite to 2024, but rounding out this year, we've got some great guests coming up on the show, Sean. We've got Jennifer Scripps from downtown Dallas, and we've got Rick Hart, the athletic director from SMU. We're going to talk some ACC uh, move. We're going to talk all the sports going on in the Hilltop. So exciting couple shows coming up uh, and I'm sure there'll be more. Well, you know, we have gone on record as saying that this seems like it was going to be our best season. And I, I think we're getting really close to coming to fruition with that. So I think our next couple of guests are going to help us with that October, Ryan, which I have not shared with you. Um, but I think by the time the month ends, which as of time of recording is about three or four days away, um, I think it's going to be our most downloaded month of the year is what exciting. we're looking at here. It's exciting. So well, keep sharing exciting. the good news, everybody. Everyone keep sharing the good news. Ryan Trimble, uh, just do all you can to send good vibes to the Texas Rangers. We'll see. Hopefully by the time we Bye, record this again, there'll be good news to share. Amen. So, amen. And that is it for Deconstructing Dallas for this go around. Thanks so much to Mark Lamster for joining us. Thank you, Molly Fiden, for helping us to set that up. Um, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We are super excited to um, be you know, just on a roll for this year. And thanks so much to our listeners. We want to thank you for sharing this podcast. We've had actually a, a couple of uh, reviews come in. Keep doing that. Keep sharing. You'll find this podcast on all of your podcasting platforms. So please share it on uh, Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, everywhere you find your podcast. Share it with your friends, share it with your neighbors, share it with your family. We are so grateful to you, our listeners. We are so grateful to our owners, Mary Willie, Jennifer Pascal. We are thankful to Deborah Meek, who continuously keeps us on task. We've even been having show meetings once a week, so we are ready for it. And um, until we meet again, I want to say, go Rangers, Deconstructing Dallas. Adios. Adios.